Hello, this is episode 204 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Dr. Nisha Riley. I re-recorded the intro to this podcast three times now because I've messed up three times. It's been so difficult to decide a title. I originally titled the podcast The Importance of Giving Priority to Minority Voices and Why That Matters. And I'll go on to explain my context for minority. And then I changed it to non-white and I sat here and went, that's, that's really bad. I've just made it even worse. And I'm talking this out because I'm, I've made mistakes. And I don't actually know at this point what to title the podcast. It's about giving priority to people who are not white. And so we don't create polarization. And I'm happy with the rest of the podcast. I'm just not happy with the title. So I'm recording this podcast in Ireland. And of course, I've recorded it from an Irish perspective out of habit. But it's not really habit, because when I record this podcast, I think about the people I'm working with. And in an Irish context, I work with black students who are literally the only black person in the whole school and in the whole area. And they travel to another city for another single black person there to do their braiding on their hair. So that was my context for minority. But obviously, in a global context, people who are not white are not in a minority. Generational patterns I talk about, I feel are still accurate, and I got that part right, because I was thinking about them in the context of the people I actually work with. This is a conversation and a theme that I've been seeing for a while on social media, and one that I think is very hard for everyone to get to in their head and to actually feel in reality in practical terms. Why it's so important to give the extra encouragement the pause, the space for minorities to speak up, and to understand why that's needed. So I'm going to try and ground this in a practical example. I found myself regressing to a space where I used to find it very difficult to speak. It was similar to jumping off a cliff to talk. I was taken back to that sense of not belonging in the room. I spoke about this in the podcast on the Red Sea, the the place that I was in. And while jumping off the cliff to speak, I explained my reference pain, my panic, my feeling 14 again, but knowing the gap between that person and the person I am now. I explained the timestamps of my pain and what was associated in it for me in comparison to the pain that I was feeling of other people. And a comment was made that could have translated essentially as shut up, you shouldn't be speaking. But the advantages of a core is that you know where your pain stops and where someone else's starts. There was a moment, of course, where I asked myself, why does my pain matter less? I didn't have to jump off the cliff to speak. I didn't do it for me. I did it to open up the space, ironically. I can chat here constructively without having a panic attack. I can write and I can show my vulnerability to my own soul tribe. So we have to see the bigger picture. And I've been plotting out a literacy workshop in my head that I might give. And I wanted to explain the minority impact. And so this is how I might do it. Because I think this is a practical example for people to put themselves in the space and to understand the difference between my pain and somebody else's pain. When I was six or seven, I was convinced in school that I was worthless, that I was stupid. I never shared with my parents at home what was happening, despite the fact that I was very close to them. 
I lived a kind of a Jacqueline Hyde situation. And I actually explained this to a reporter when I was in college. I explained how I was one person in school who could do nothing. And I was another person at home who could do everything and everything was possible. And on the last day that I left school at 18, I no longer needed to be the other person anymore. But when I was six and seven, I was convinced that I had let my parents down by not being able to do the one thing that was expected of me, to be able to read and write like the rest of the class. And I felt so bad about myself that I was knocked down by a car one day on the way home. And even though it wasn't my fault because the car drove through the level crossing, I was too worried that my newly washed coat would have dirt on it for me to go home and admit it, what had happened. I was in that so much of a space of being wrong and everything that I did wasn't good enough. And when I meet six and seven year olds now, they seem tiny. I can't believe anybody made me feel this bad about myself. So that's my white reference point to being in a room and not being able to do what's expected of you. So what's different for someone who's not white? It's the extra layers that they have to travel through in the generational pain. The opportunity to go to school, that image of the little black girl being marched into a schoolroom surrounded by marshals, being told your grandparents never had an opportunity to go to school, don't waste it. Being told that you're not working hard enough, that you're just being lazy, that has a whole other context to me being told that I was being lazy. The idea that slaves were forbidden to read and write, the literacy test as a benchmark in society as to whether or not you could have a voice and vote. Your whole place in society being determined on whether or not you got access to education. The description from John Lewis of the sort of schools that he got to go to and the school bus and the joy at hearing the Brown versus Board verdict about equality in schools and waiting for the right bus, a better bus, to magically turn up to take him to a better white school with all the opportunities there, and that never happening. The description in Michelle Obama's book of when she seemed more educated than her cousins and spoke differently, and that being taboo within her set. And I've had the same conversation with African-Irish students in Ireland being judged by their African friends for having too posh a voice. The description in Barack Obama's book, going back through his father's life and how his grandfather learned to read and write and started to wear white people's clothes and was rejected by his whole family for making that transition. Now, with all of that, you've arrived into school and you can't learn to read and write. You can't take the opportunity that you've been given that others have never had access to. How much worse do you feel? How much bigger a deal is it to be told that you're just lazy or you're not trying hard enough or that you're stupid? How much more, how many more people do you feel that you've let down that you can't do what's expected what we think everybody can do. That is the difference between my pain and my reference place and someone else's pain created in generational patterns. And I was very fortunate because 
Dyslexia tends to be hereditary, but I never had a sense that I had to fill a void for what my parents hadn't done. They feel very content in who they are, despite having never finished school. So no matter what I did, when we got to a certain point, when we realised, when they realised that I was being bullied in school by the teachers, they were able to eradicate those expectations and those warped realities that were being presented to me. We have to be able to stand in awareness of our own pain, in a place of security, to not react to someone else's, to understand why people make comments that may hurt you and not to not overreact to them. But we have to be able to have empathy with someone else's journey. When we feel secure, we don't have polarization because in secureness, you can't overreact to someone else. You can't cause them harm. You can't belittle them. It doesn't matter if I'm blue and have a five-pronged fork at the top of my head. I'm accepted in the fullness of who I am and my reference place. is the way I described it to somebody. We aren't snakes. We don't shed our journey, our experiences. We grow like trees. And we keep the layers of our own journey as the reference to the difference and to the changes in us. And it's the gap between those, between the person I was at six or seven and the person I was at 14 and the person I am today. It's those gaps. It's the gap between that and it's the gap to someone else's journey being different. That's the space that you honestly create and you help people in. It's the wholeness of yourself, but it's the difference in somebody else too.